Well, good morning to each and every one of you here at Harmony. If you would, please stand with us, and we will begin by lifting our voices in praise and honor to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Is He's the reason that you live this morning? Let's sing about it together. There's a reason I can sing There's a reason for this life inside me One name above all names Jesus, yes it's Jesus There's a reason for this whole there's a reason for this peace that I know. One worthy of all praise. Jesus, yes, it's Jesus. I will lift my hands up.
Well, good morning and welcome to Harmony. Aren't you glad that we can have a reason to sing? You may be seated. You know, when I think about uh, the reason that we live, the reason that we sing, uh, couldn't be a better reason than Jesus and who he is and all that he has for us. And uh, I just want you to know today that no matter who you are, no matter where you're at in life, Jesus doesn't just want something from you, right? He has something for you. And sometimes when we look at God and we look at Jesus and we think about it, uh, we think that maybe church or uh, worshiping Jesus is because God wants something from us. But here's the reality. God has something for you and he wants to bless you in an incredible way with exactly what it is that he has for your life. Well, I want to welcome you uh, today to Harmony. If, you're, if it's your first time here with us, uh, we're thankful that you've gathered with us today. If you would stop at the Connection Center uh, before you leave today, we have a gift that we would love to send home with you and just to be able to say thank you for gathering with us. If this is your first time uh, and you're online, we say thank you for joining us uh, and uh, welcome to uh, our online campus and welcome to our, our service. Again, uh, we're thankful that you are here. We are looking forward to uh, celebrating Jesus and who he is uh, and looking at at his remarkable life uh, as we go throughout uh, the book of Mark today. Today we're going to be in Mark chapter 9, uh, and that'll take place in, in just a few moments. We've got a couple more songs that we're going to sing, uh, and then we're going to, to share in that message. But before we do that, I've got a couple of things that I want to share with you. Uh, our ladies' ministry uh, has uh, several things that are taking place. One of the things that's taking place is an event this Friday evening uh, here at the church, I believe, uh, a bonfire night and, and some different things going on. If you would like more information about that, uh, see uh, Jennifer Garner. She can uh, go ahead and, and uh, share a little bit more uh, about that with you. But there's some other things that are taking place within our ladies' ministry as we're kind of relaunching some of our ministries uh, post-COVID and getting back into the groove of things. And we want you to know uh, about some of those. Also, life groups are up and running. And life groups are just a, a small group Bible study that meet in homes or sometimes they meet here on the campus, different locations uh, in our community. And a life group is an incredible way for you to get to know uh, people uh, that, that you're worshiping with, maybe for you to invite somebody that you work with to a, a Bible study. Uh, it's an awesome opportunity to get connected. So if you would like to be a part of a life group, uh, please stop by the Connection Center. We can get you the information to know what life group would meet your needs uh, and when that life group is meeting in, in the place and all of those kinds of details. So if you would like more information about that, please stop by uh, the Connection Center before you leave today. Again, we would love to help you with that opportunity. Also want to share with you that we have a new ministry that has started and it's entitled uh, Cancer Companions. And it's just a ministry that meets, uh, it, I think every other week or a couple of, maybe a, a couple of times a, a quarter uh, throughout the, the, the different months in that staggered out. And it's just designed to, to meet a need in somebody's life that maybe has been diagnosed with cancer or, or a family member uh, that wants to come and say, hey, how can I uh, support and, and be a part of this? How can I be there for them during this time? It, it's an incredible opportunity for you to learn uh, how to support people that are dealing with uh, that set of circumstances and to walk with them uh, as they battle that and, and face that. So if you uh, would like to be a part of that, there's a meeting this afternoon uh, and we have more information uh, about that out uh, in on Main Street and, and different locations. You can find that and it's just called Cancer Companions. And again, another opportunity uh, to walk with somebody through life to find out how you can serve, how you can help, how you could make a difference in their life. Well, there's a lot to pray about today. Several uh, people that we want to remember uh, in our prayers, and those are on your prayer list that, that are sent out, uh, available online as well. We encourage you to uh, make sure and check those out so that you know 
uh, who you are praying for and the needs that are there because we believe that prayer does make a difference in the hearts and lives of people today. So with that in mind, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. Lord, we thank you for all that you've done. Lord, as we uh, gather here today, I know that there are many things that are taking place in, in different locations. Uh, people are, are struggling with disease. Uh, Lord, they're, they're not certain that life is going to be okay for them right now. And Lord, we just ask that, that you would help them, that you would strengthen them, that you would walk with them through this and, and let them know that you are there. Lord, there's others that are facing life difficult circumstances and, and trying to find the next step and, and take the next direction. Lord, there's many away that are on fall break, and uh, we just ask that you would give them a restful time. But Father, whatever the need might be, we ask for all those that are here with us in person today, those that are online, that are present with us now, or those that will be listening or watching later, we just ask that you'll meet the deepest need in each and every life. And Father, when this service is over, regardless of when it ends, we just ask that you would have met with us in an incredible way, and God, that you would do what only you can do in our hearts and in our lives today. In Christ's name, amen. Stand with us if you would. The song talks about the evidence, clearly saying the goodness of God. All throughout my history, your faithfulness has walked beside me. Winter storms made way for spring. Every season from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness.
Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. Our mind cannot even comprehend the incredible goodness that you are capable of, that you could reach down from heaven with absolute perfection and somehow impart unto us your righteousness through a relationship with Jesus Christ, the opportunity to have him as our Lord and Savior simply by trusting in something so much greater, someone so much better than us. We bless your name for this, Father, as we break the bread of life and as Pastor Lily gives us the truth. We just ask that you would open our hearts and and our ears be receptive and not just hearers of the word, but doers as well. We love and we praise you and we thank you for this opportunity to worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Can we thank Cole for leading us in worship this morning and uh, being here? And as we gather here, Dave is uh, speaking at another church this morning, helping them out and, and serving uh, that church, a longtime friend of his, uh, Trent Popwell, and, and he is uh, with him today, uh, filling in for him. Uh, so make sure and say a prayer for, for Dave, because uh, we'll be done with church before he starts speaking. I, I know where he's at. And, and uh, so if you think that our service is a little long, his service will be a little bit longer uh, today, I, I, I promise, uh, but it'll be a good time. So you pray for him, and uh, let's pray uh, for us that God would do something special. Uh, in our service today as well. Well, today we are in Mark chapter 9, and uh, Mark chapter 9 is a long chapter. There's like 50 verses in that, and we're going to hit every one of them this morning, um, And uh, which, which means uh, I'm going to speak fast. You're going to have to pay attention. You may want to go back and listen to the podcast a little bit later this week uh, because we've got a lot to cover today, uh, but it all kind of hinges together uh, as, as we take a look at Mark chapter 9. You know, I'm convinced that a lot of people want to change, but we live in a society and culture where we think that change comes from the outside in. If, if, you, if you go ahead and, and watch a commercial, uh, they, they don't tell you that change is going to be hard. They say, hey, here's the reality. Just take this little pill and, and you're going to feel better, right? I, I mean, if you, if you watch many uh, commercials these days or, or television with commercials in it, it seems like 9 out of 10 is for some multivitamin or some other medication that, that can change your life if you just take it. And, and here's the great thing. You don't have to do anything but take what they prescribe, right? Well, one, one of the latest ones is out there. You get two bottles, and it's this perfect balance, and all you have to do is take it, and you might be 105, but you're going to feel like you're 25, and you'll be back to being a professional athlete in no time at all. I, I heard one yesterday. guy said, I've been a professional athlete all my life, and I thought, that birth must have been a painful experience, right? I, I mean, you, 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 you enter the world as a professional athlete. We, we make claims... And, and the, the reality is, is many of those claims are simply not going to be true, not going to, to take place. But we all seem to have a longing for something a little bit different. And we want something to be a little bit different in our life, but sometimes we don't understand that change doesn't happen from the outside in and happens from the inside out. And today we're going to take a look in Mark chapter 9 at, at how a change took place in the life of Jesus. We're going to look at how Jesus was transformed from the inside out and, and Peter and James and John were able to see it and they were able to see it uh, for multiple reasons and, and it shows us many things uh, about our life today and about the life of Jesus. So let's take a look at Mark chapter 9 and we're just going to read down through 
Uh, the first uh, 13 verses, it, it says this, and he said unto them, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now, I know when they heard that, they were beginning to think uh, all kinds of different things about it, yet here's what we're going to see in verse number two. Jesus makes this happen almost uh, immediately. Verse number two, it says this, Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain, apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. The Bible says that his clothes became shining, exceedingly white, like snow, such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. Think about that. There's nothing earthly that that can compare. There's nothing earthly that you could say, look, this works. This, this really looks good and we could compare. It's saying that they're seeing something like they've never seen it, experienced it before. Verse number four says this, and Elijah appeared to them with Moses and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. And Peter stands there, he sees these things, and he's like, wow, we're up here on top of this mountain, and why don't we just stay here? Have you ever had a day that was so good, you thought, man, if I could just live this one over and over, that, that would be okay? If I could just stay in this moment, that, that would be great? For, for some, we, we look and we say, man, our relationships are great, and if we could just stay right here in this moment, that would be absolutely awesome. Finances are good. If we could just keep things like this all the time, that would be great. You can substitute. You can fill in the blank, but we've all had a moment like that where we said, if we could just live like this on a regular basis life would be good. Well, we read a little bit further, and here's what Jesus said. Verse number six, it says, because he did not know what to say, for they were greatly afraid. Peter just opens his mouth and says, man, I think that would be great. But verse number seven says, and a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. So they kept this word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. Peter says, look, why don't we just stay here? Jesus says, no, it's time to go down. And by the way, don't tell anybody about this experience until I'm risen from the dead. And they're just kind of hanging on that. What does that really mean? In verse number 11, it says, And they asked him, saying, Why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? Then he answered and told them, Indeed, Elijah is coming first and restores all things. And how it is written concerning the Son of Man that he must suffer many things and be treated with contempt. But I say unto you that Elijah has also come, and they did to him whatever they wished as it is written of him. Now, when we take a look at this passage of Scripture, there's a lot of things that are, are unveiled in the transfiguration of Jesus that are very real for your life. One of the things that, that we, we learn sometimes is, is we go back and we look through the Bible and we look for things that are, are, are plain and, and they're there, but then we find some things that uh, really 
maybe we're not familiar with, and we, and we go back and we look at the, the context of it, and we look at some of the practices, and, and one of the things that, that we learn is we go back and, and read some other literature about the Bible and the times that were there, and some of the practices that were, were taking place is, is the mountain that they went up on was, was a place where there was uh, pagan worship down below. Uh, often in the, the caves and, and the, the entrances that would have been at the foot of that mountain, they would gather there and they would worship other gods. So one of the things that, that we learn is Jesus takes them up to the pinnacle of this mountain to let us and to let them know uh, that he reigns supreme. Right? There, there is no one that is above him. But, but when we look at verse number 1 in Mark chapter 9, what we're going to discover is Jesus gave him a promise. He said, Assuredly, I say to you that some are standing here who will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present and with power. And, and here's what, what happens. Six days later, Jesus takes him up, and all of a sudden, Jesus is transformed right before their very eyes. Here's what this passage of Scripture does for you and for me and what it did for them. The first thing is, is this. Jesus was transformed so that we could see the power of God. So you say, what does this have to do with me? What did it have to do with them? Just, just remember this. Transformed to see the power of God. Jesus was transformed. He was transfigured. Something was different about him. They saw something on the inside, now on the outside, and all of a the sudden they can begin to see that God has the power to keep his word. He has the power to keep his promises. He has the power of, of his kingdom in heaven and on earth. You see, one of the struggles that, that the religious people in the day of Jesus had is, is one of the struggles that you and I have. It's God's powerful, and, and God can put all this together, but can God really keep me together right here and now? God can work in the heavenlies, and, and yeah, God could have created all of this, but I need something practical for my life today. I need something that can help me when I hurt. I need something that can guide me when I'm facing a decision. And here's what we learn, that when God makes a promise, God keeps it. And God is just as powerful on earth as he is in heaven. There's no circumstance beyond his control. There's no place that he can't get. He says, look, I want you to see, while people often gather to worship other gods and, and do other things at the foot of this mountain, I want you to know that I'm more powerful than they are. I am high and lifted up above all the others. And here's the reality. Just as I told you that there are some here that will not taste of death until they see the kingdom of God, you're going to see the kingdom of God. You're going to experience it. I keep my promises. Today, maybe you're wondering if God is capable of keeping his promise to you. Maybe you're wondering if God is capable of going with you through every storm, of taking that burden, taking that weight, that care, that sorrow, that problem, that struggle, and, and holding on to it for you and, and walking with you. And, and here's the reality. His word says that he can because he showed us that he can. He was showing you and I, he was showing Peter and James and John and the other disciples that would later learn of it. You see, the power of his kingdom in heaven and on earth is real. And he has the power to keep his promises, but he has the power to change lives. And we often forget that, that God is that powerful. That moment that Jesus was transfigured, we see a God that's powerful that can keep his word. We see a God that is high and lifted up above, above others. We see a God that's unique 
We see a God that's personal. We see a God that cares. And it's all tucked away in those first few verses that we read in Mark chapter 9. But you know what? Jesus wasn't just transfigured on that moment so that we could see that God was powerful. Jesus was, was transfigured in that moment so that we could see that grace is greater. Do you know what, do you know what Peter did? Peter said, wow, this is pretty cool. He, he said, there's Elijah, there's Moses. They're talking with Jesus. We've never seen anything like this, so, so let's just stay here in the moment. And it's so nice of Peter to say, wow, why don't we build a little temple for Moses? Why don't we build one for Elijah? And Jesus, I'm going to put you on the same level as they are, and we're going to build one for you. Moses represents the law. Elijah represents the prophets. But Jesus represents that grace is greater than both. He represents that what is before them and in, in, in the form of Jesus and being transformed is, is much deeper, it's much more practical for life, and, and it fulfills everything that the other two were looking ahead to. So, so Peter says, why don't we stay here and hang on to the law? Why don't we stay here and hang on to, to the prophets? That would, that would be a good thing. And Jesus says, look, I am all of those things and I fulfill them. And, and, and here's what I can do for you, Peter, that they can't. I can offer you more because I am greater. You see, the, the law condemned. The prophet would point people to a message. But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said, I am the sacrifice that can fulfill, and I am the message that is right before you. When we look at the life of Jesus and we look at why Jesus was transfigured, and we see that he was transformed so that you and I, and they would see that grace is greater, that, that God has a better plan. And, and here's the, the reality in your life and in, in my life. It, it, we, we look at Moses representing the law or Elijah representing the prophets and, and the, the messages that they preached and the words that they share. But, but here's, here's what we discover is that when we stop and look at our life, we often put Jesus on the same level as other religious things. Think about that for, for just a moment. We, we put Jesus on, on the same level as other people. We put Jesus on, on the same level as, as other aspects of the faith. And, and Jesus says, Peter, I, I brought you up here to let you in on something, and it's this, I'm, I'm far greater than anything else that you could hope to see or imagine. I wonder how many times we, we do that in, in our life. We, 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 number one, want to keep Jesus or God in a moment. Number two, we, we, we want to go ahead and just stay right there and, and not be interrupted. But, but then we, we keep them on the same level and we associate them with, with people that have struggles and problems and faults and failures and are searching for answers. You see, Moses and Elijah were, were anticipating Jesus. 
they were living their life for him. And, and now Peter comes up with the, the idea, wow, what, we just keep Jesus right there on there. We could build a tabernacle for you as well. Now, there are many ways we can interpret this passage of scripture and, and still be within the context and, and have a correct application. But today, I just want to ask you this. Do you see that, that Jesus is greater than the circumstances of your life? Do, do you see that Jesus is, is greater than, than the, the commands, the, the laws? Because really, here's the, the reality. The Ten Commandments were given so that you and I would know we need a Savior. Because we're, we're not perfect. And it reveals not just our, our flaws and our faults and our sins, but it reveals our need for a Savior. And Jesus is standing there and he's saying, look, here, here's a reality. Here, here's a, a reality. I'm, I'm greater than all of these things. Peter, the, the idea is not to stay in the moment. The, the idea is to begin to trust me in a different way. He's transformed so that we can see that, that grace is greater. Jesus came to fulfill and, and give a new way in life. And maybe today we need to, to quit looking at, at Jesus as the same as all the, the others and realize that he was the fulfillment. He was the one that they were looking for, and he's the one that can make the difference in your life. You see, when we begin to, to go a little further, Peter says, let's stay here. And Jesus says, no. And they begin to go down the mountain and they begin to journey. And, and here's what happens as they're journeying down. Jesus says, here's what's going to happen, that the son of man is, is going to need to rise again. And they're trying to, to figure all of these things out. And as they go up the mountain, they're anticipating as they, they, they get to the mountain and things level off and they, they plateau and they're there and they see Jesus transfigured. Jesus shows them that he is greater and, and, and there's no one that, that can compare to him. Yet when we begin to, to look at what follows, they're on their way down the mountain and they asked some questions. Why do some say that Elijah would come? Well, John the Baptist had already come and the spirit of Elijah was upon him and, and we know that the scripture tells us that. So, so they're trying to figure that out and Jesus explains that. But as Jesus explains that and, and things close out, now when they get to the base of the mountain and, and they're trying to put things together and, and they're going back to the people, here's what begins to happen. As, as we take a, a look at verse Number 14, it says this, And when he came to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. And immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. And he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? Then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who, was, who has a mute spirit. And wherever it seizes him, it throws him down. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, but they could not. And he answered him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Then they brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him, and he fell on the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. And often he has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help 
my unbelief. He says, Lord, I believe, but would you help me believe more? Because I know no matter what level of faith I'm at, there's room for my, my faith to grow. He says, would you help me to believe more? And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out and convulsed him greatly and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? So he said to them, this kind can come out by nothing but prayer and fasting. When you begin to look at all that's said in those 14, 15 verses, we have Jesus coming down from a mountaintop experience with Peter, James, and John. They come into a crowd and there's chaos. And when we get to the bottom of, of the the chaos, here's what we find. We find a person in need, a young boy. We find a father that is weeping. We find a crowd that's looking for answers. We find religious people questioning, and the disciples say, why can't we take care of this problem? One of the reasons that Jesus was transfigured was so that we could see our need. He's transformed to see our need. You see, Moses and Elijah looked pretty good, but when Peter saw Jesus and they began to have some different questions and exchange, it became apparent in the conversation of, of rising again that there's something different about Jesus that wasn't the same with Moses and Elijah, and they're, they're looking for something, and, and when they come down, he, here's, here's what happens. They see the need for, for healing, they see the need for faith, and they see the need for prayer and fasting. And I firmly believe that, that Peter, James, and John had a mountaintop experience with Jesus, and they were able to see Jesus in a very unique way so that they could begin to see people in a different way as well, so that they could begin to see themselves in a different way. Because here's what happens. When we begin to take a good look at the perfection of Jesus, do you know what happens? We, we don't criticize and condemn other people. We begin to see the need that's in our life, and we begin to see the need that's around us. Do you know what the religious crowd was doing that would have been perfectly happy to hang out with Moses and Elijah and stay there with them? Although when Moses and Elijah were on the earth, they didn't necessarily want to listen to them. Did you know what they were doing? They were questioning, and they were saying, why are we spending time with this guy? Why, why are we worried about this young boy? Why, why, why are we really doing this? I mean, when we read down through there, that's exactly what's unfolding, and that's exactly what's taking place. And, and what we learn is this. When Jesus begins to reveal who he is to us, when we begin to see Jesus in a different way, it changes us and it changes the circumstances around us. What happened is a man comes and he says, Jesus, what, what needs to take place so that my, my boy could be different? And Jesus says, you need to believe. And the father says, would you help my unbelief? I believe, but could you help me believe a little bit more? You know what Peter and James and John were, were asking on the way down? They're saying, Jesus, we know something's different. This rise again stuff, what, what's it really all about? Do you know what they were really saying? They were saying, we believe, but could you help my my unbelief? Could you help me right where 
I'm at? Could you help me make a little more sense of this? Could, could you help me trust you just a little bit more? You see, when Jesus was transfigured on top of that mountain, one of the opportunities was for them to see Jesus as he is. But there was another opportunity tucked away in that, and it was to see our need for healing, our need for spiritual wholeness, our need for faith, and the need for prayer and fasting. You know, Peter and James and John had the opportunity to see that Jesus was completely holy and he was completely perfect and he was completely unlike any other. And Jesus says, when you look around, there's people in need. This little boy here, he's not the only one in need. The religious crowd, they have a need. The dad had a need for increased faith. He said, disciples, here's what you have a need for. You want to know why you can't accomplish this? That there's a, a need for prayer. You see, faith that's real will spend time in prayer. Why? Because prayer often tries our faith. It often tests our faith. And there's an old statement that just says this, a faith that is not tested is a faith that is not trusted. And when, when we look at Peter and James and John having the mountaintop experience and, and they see Jesus transfigured, Jesus is transformed so that they can see the power of God. Jesus is transformed so that they can see that, that grace is greater. Jesus is transformed so that we could see the need, the need in our life. Let me ask you something. Is there a need in your life for, for a physical healing or a, a spiritual healing? Is there a need in your life? Not, not only for a spiritual or, or physical healing, but is there a need in your life for faith to increase? It's amazing that the father said, look, my faith has an impact on my child. Would you help my unbelief? And he said it through tears. When, when's the last time you saw Jesus in such a way that you asked him, from the heart, would you help my unbelief? Would you increase my faith? Because I believe that you have more for me. I believe that you want more for me. Would you help my unbelief? Would you help me to trust you enough to where I can align my life with yours? You see, it was transformed to see our need. We read a little bit further. Here's what happens. They departed from there. And they passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know it. And he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they did not understand this saying, and were afraid to ask him. Then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, what was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had talked, taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives and whoever receives me receives not me but him who sent me. Jesus was transformed so that we could see 
a servant. In verses 30 through 37, what we see is one that was transformed, yet willing to die. One that was the power of God present on earth, because we see that in Mark chapter 9, verse number 1, verse number 2 and 3. One that's holding it all together, one that is high and lifted up, yet we, we go a little bit further, and this one that is all-powerful is one that is willing to die. You see, Jesus tells them that the Son of Man, he's talking about himself, and he's saying, look, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to come to a place where the crowd is going to turn against me. The multitudes are no, no longer going to show up in my favor, but that's okay, because I'm going to be betrayed. I'm going to die, but I'm going to rise again. And here's what the disciples start talking about. The disciples start having a conversation, and here's what they're saying. I wonder who's going to be the greatest among all of us. I wonder who's going to be the favorite in eternity. When, when, when all of these things take place, when, I, I really just wonder how I'm going to be viewed. In another passage of scripture, we find the same story unfolding, but, but the mom of some of the disciples is going, hey, Jesus, could you make a seat on the, the left and on the right uh, for my boys in your kingdom? Because they are incredible. And the rest of the disciples hear it, and they don't like it, because they're like, well, why do they get a special seat? And, and we don't. And everybody is wondering about themselves. And, and here's what Jesus essentially says. He says, did you not get, I was transfigured just a short while ago, and you saw that I am God in flesh. I just told you that I'm going to die for you, for your sin. I'm going to be buried, and I'm going to rise again. And now what you're worried about is who's going to serve you. Jesus is transfigured. He's transformed so that we could see a servant, a servant that was willing to die. And we were able to see what greatness really is. Becoming the least. Did you know what the Bible says about Jesus? That, that Jesus took upon the form of a servant and he became obedient unto death. Even the death of the cross. Not, not just death, but, but death of the cross. A transformed servant that's willing to die. A transformed individual so that they would know, look, when you do so much as receive a little one like this, you're receiving the one who sent me. Jesus says, look, I'm God in flesh and I'm here serving. When we begin to line our life up with him, it becomes so simple. He says, you want to keep the children away and you want to be busy with great things. But he says it's like this, a simple faith, a simple demonstration of love. When, when, when we have that simple faith, we have that simple demonstration of love. When we, when we receive Christ, we receive the Father. It's amazing to stop and think that on a mountaintop, we see Jesus transformed so that we can get a picture of a servant. God, in all of his greatness, and all of his power, laying it down, being betrayed, dying for your sin and for my sin. And in all the process of it, in their humanity, in the midst of their faults and failures, they're not saying, Jesus, let's talk more about this death. They're like, we don't understand it, but let's worry about who's going to be the greatest among us. 
What would it look like in our lives if we just began to see, wow, the God who created the mountain is now standing on top of the mountain to let us know that he's greater than the law and greater than the prophets, that he can do all things, that he's come to be a servant. And when we receive him, we're supposed to live our life like him. We're supposed to take upon the form of that servant. Verse number 38 says, Now John answered him saying, Teacher, we saw someone who does not follow us casting out demons in your name and we forbade him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said, Do not forbid him for no one who works a miracle in my name can soon afterwards speak evil of me. For he who is not against us is on our side. For whoever gives you a cup of water to drink in my name because you belong to Christ, assuredly, I say to you, he will by no means lose his reward. You see, for Israel and for their experience from a religious standpoint, the law spent a lot of time dividing. The prophets pointed a message, and, and it wasn't necessarily a, a message at that point where everybody was going to be able to come to Christ as, as we understand it now. There were many things that were present that they just didn't get and they missed. But, but John says, look, they're doing some things that are different than we are, Jesus. And, and here's what Jesus says. Jesus says, I, I'm, I'm transformed to be united. John noticed what was divided John noticed what was divided, but Jesus said, let's focus on what unites us. I often wonder how much better shape the church could be in today if we would realize that Jesus was transformed on a, on a mountaintop so that we could see who he is, and he's far bigger than all of our little differences and preferences, and if we could just be united in the cause of Christ. I don't know whether it's dawned on you yet or not, but culturally speaking, in the world in which we live, we're headed for some tough days as the church. It's, it's not coming, it's here. And we, as the body of Christ, oh, I, I have some non-negotiable beliefs, right? I, I know what, what the, the Bible says, but, but here's a, a, a reality. Some of the things that, that we as Christians get divided on don't matter now, let alone in eternity. And, 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 and all we, we tend to do is create more struggles. And Jesus looks at John and says, John, I appreciate your tenacity, but those that are not against us are for us. Jesus says there, there's a, a commonality and they're working in my name. And if they're working in my name, here's what's going to happen. It's going to work itself out. If they're real, it's, it's going to continue. If they're not, it, it'll take care of itself. Let's not spend a lot of time being divided, but let's rather focus on what unites us. And Jesus, and I want you to get this, Jesus was transfigured in front of Peter, James, and John so that they could see that the law and the prophet all come together in Jesus, and Jesus was bringing a message that was united. 
a message that fulfilled, a message that would complete, a message that would give hope, lived out in the person and the life of Jesus Christ. And, and when we begin to take a look at our life, we, we learn so much from this passage of scripture that Jesus was transfigured so that we could see that he's all powerful. Jesus was, was transfigured so that we could see that he's greater than any circumstance, that, he, that he's greater than all. And in his grace, it's there. He was transformed to show that we can be united and, and we focus on what unites us. But it gets even better. In verse number 42, it says, But whoever causes one of these little ones who believes in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. A millstone. It's not just a small thing that you pick up out of the, the parking lot. It's, it, it's, it's a sizable stone. A stone that, that if it was placed around your neck, you, you, would, you would struggle to stand up. And Jesus says, says, look, it would be better for you if you keep people from me, if you cause people to stum me, stumble coming to me. He says, look, it would be better if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Then he says this. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame rather than having two feet to be cast into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. It would be better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire, where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. Jesus is transformed at the beginning of this passage of scripture. He's transfigured. We see Moses, we see Elijah, we see events unfold that are very practical. And as we start winding some things up, we, we get this thought from Jesus about eternity. And Jesus begins to, to speak a truth. And he says, look, I want you to understand in this life, Life is real, but when we pass from this life, it is real. Eternity is real, and eternity is forever. And Jesus uses the word Gehenna, a place that they would have been familiar with, a place that they could look out and see, a place that was common in their culture and society where they worshiped the God of Molech, and they often took bodies off of the cross, the poor people, people just to, to go ahead and sacrifice and, and offer up, they, they often took those, those bodies and they, they placed them there and they would burn. And there was a, a fire that was continually there. He says, just as Gehenna is real and just as you see the maggot that is there eating that rotting flesh, he says, I want you to understand that eternity is real. So he says, Here, here's the deal. 
There's some things that we can do to impact other people in their, their eternity. And, 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 and we've got to understand that eternity is so serious. When we look at our life, we need to do all we can to make certain that we're not causing somebody else to stumble. That we're not keeping somebody else from Jesus, from the answer, from the truth. He says, offenses are serious. He says, don't offend or cause children or those young in their faith to stumble in their faith. And, and, and then here's what he says. He said, if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. He says, if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. They took Jesus so literally in this passage of scripture. Finally, at a meeting of the early church fathers, they looked at the people that were missing eyes and hands and feet and said, look, we appreciate your sincerity, but Jesus is talking about the things that cause you to sin. You're better off to go ahead and remove something and pay a tremendous price now and have some pain than to let it lead you astray and miss eternity in heaven. He was saying, look, that the change doesn't take place by removing a hand or plucking out an eye. A change takes place by getting the heart in the right condition where it needs to be. He says their worm never dies. What is that? Their worm never dies. He says hell is real. It's hot. There's fire. There's presence. He said their worm never dies. What is their worm? Again, maggots everywhere in Gehenna, the, the, the dump, the place where the, the bodies were burned. Jesus is giving them a visual, and he says, just as that maggot is always there as an instrument of torment and a reminder, he says, that's what it'll be in hell. A continual reminder, a continual place of torment. He says there because it's personal. They're, they're going to know that torment is real. They're going to know that it's hot. They're going to experience that. So Jesus says, look, this, this eternity thing, it's forever. And, and we need to know it. Jesus is transfigured so that they can see he's, he's eternal. He's God in, in flesh. He, he tells us, look, eternity, it's real. And we might think that eternity is, is a long way off, but, but we never know when, when eternity is, is going to start, when, when we exit this life. I mean, it could happen at, at any moment. We have no control over that. Peter, James, and John never thought that they're going up to the top of the mountain to see Jesus transfigured, to discover more about who Jesus really is, transformed to show the reality of eternity. I, I wonder today... If we as believers live like eternity is real. Think about that for just a moment. Jesus said it's so real, right? If, if there's something in your life that, that is creating an offense, you need to separate yourself from it. Because you'd be better off to enter eternity and live forever with one hand rather than two and miss heaven. You know what he's saying? He's saying there's a lot of you that want to enjoy all the things of this life and all the sin of this life for a moment, but, but, but you're going to miss perfection and wholeness 
and celebration in heaven, and you miss it for forever because the things that are temporary are going to keep you away. He said eternity is real. It's not comfortable. See, all the while, Jesus is transfigured, he's transformed, and we, we go down through there and we learn all kinds of different things that, that take place, like that he's going to die. And what are Peter and James and John and the other disciples worried about? Where they fit in the picture. And Jesus gets a question from John. Hey, hey, Jesus, they're not doing things like we do. They can't be of us. And then Jesus just kind of wraps it all up. And he says, guys, I want you to know that eternity is real. And rather than worrying about where you're going to sit in eternity, maybe you need to worry about taking people with you. Well, I'm out of time. Oh, I know I'm not, but they don't know I'm not, right? For everyone will be seasoned, verse number 49, with fire, and every, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace with one another. You know... In Isaiah 66, we, we learn that the worm that is spoken of is real. But when we go back to Isaiah, we also learn that the Holy Spirit was also often referred to as one of fire. And Jesus says, the Holy Spirit is, is going to give you the fire, the seasoning, the strength that you need. You see, Jesus was transformed for a purpose so that we could see when we come to him, we are transformed for a purpose. He says we're, we're seasoned with, with fire. That, that can be the trials, the struggles, and it can be the Holy Spirit. He says we're seasoned like salt to be different, to add a different flavor, to give a different taste, to preserve the place in which we live and how we live. You see, Jesus was transformed for a purpose, and you and I, when we come to Christ and place our faith and trust in him, we are transformed for a purpose as well. And Jesus says, look, the Holy Spirit wants to take over your life, and the Holy Spirit wants to strengthen you in the struggles, and he wants to strengthen you with his fire, and he wants to work in your life and help you to be the salt that you need to be. Why? Because salt preserves, salt makes a difference Salt adds some flavor. Salt gives what is needed. And right now in our society, we need some Christians that are guided by the Holy Spirit that are the salt that we're called to be. So when we take a look at the remarkable life of Jesus, we see that he was transfigured. He was transformed for a purpose. And the reality is this, when we come to Christ, we're changed from the inside out. We're able to see Jesus transformed so that we know exactly who Jesus really is. And the Jesus of this Bible is the one who created the world. 
He's God in flesh, and he wants us to live our life for him. As Peter saw him, as James saw him, as John saw him, it impacted their life and how they would live for him. I want to tell you something. How you see Jesus will impact how you live for him. Do you see him like everybody else? Do you see him as just another Moses? Do you see him as one that might be a little bit better than Elijah? Or do you see him as the God above all? Do you see him as the eternal one who makes all the difference? Because how you see him will affect how you live for him. Let's pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you today, are you certain that you know Christ? Are you certain that you've placed your faith and trust in him? Eternity is for real and eternity is forever. And today, if you're not certain, I want you to know that you can be. I want you to know that Jesus gave his life on the cross for you just as he had promised to his disciples on that mountaintop. He was buried and he rose again. And today, if you've never trusted him, why not do it? Right here, right now. Let him forgive you of your sins. Invite him to be your savior. That's all you have to do. A simple prayer that's something like this. Dear Jesus, would you please forgive me of my sins? Would you please be my savior? Would you help me to learn more about you and to live my life for you? You see, he'll do it if you'll just ask him. So right now, if you've got a want to in your heart, just ask him to be your savior. If you pray a simple prayer like that, he'll save you. And we want you to not only invite him to be your savior, but let us know that you did so if that's what you've done. Because we want to help you learn more about Jesus and we want to help you grow in him. He's an incredible God who has so much ahead for you. Would you trust him today? Let's pray. Father, we come to you today and we thank you for who you are. We thank you for what you've done. Lord, I pray that today you would help us to realize that how we see you impacts our mountaintop experience and impacts the valleys of life. It impacts how we see other people in need. It impacts how we see our faith and our need for our faith to increase. Father, I pray that you would help every one of us today to see you in such an incredible way that we would be like that father in need and to ask you to increase our faith, to ask you to help us to trust you more and to live our life for you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be willing to put that faith into practice and, and to pray, and to be willing to go beyond that and to, to fast, to, to give up so that we can become more like you, because that's what that is. Father, I pray that you would help us to realize that that even though other Christians might be a little bit different than, than, than we are and see things from a slightly different perspective, that, Father, we need to be united in you. And, and Lord, help us to focus on being united with, with one another in you. And Lord, I, I pray that you would help us to see that eternity is real. And instead of worrying about how good we have it here, or how good we'll have it there, that, that we worry about getting people to heaven to be with you. 
And Lord, I pray that if there's something in our life today that we need to quit, that we'll see the seriousness of it and, and do exactly what your word says. And, and Father, just remove it from our life. Father, the, the, the things that we, we get ourselves into, the places we go, the things we see, all of those are represented by the hands, the feet, the, the eyes. But Lord, whatever we don't need to be doing, Lord, help us to remove it from our life and help us to be the salt and light that this world desperately needs. For it's in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home and allowing us to share hope with you. You know, when we think about the love of Jesus, it's absolutely amazing to stop and realize that he gave his life for you and for me. And all we have to do is simply put our faith and trust in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. And that changes us for all eternity. Today, if you've never invited Jesus to forgive you of your sins and to be your personal savior, I want to encourage you to do that right now. It's as simple as admitting that your life is not perfect, admitting that you've sinned, that you've missed God's mark of perfection, and putting your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus is God's love in action, and he demonstrated his love for you and for me by going to the cross, by being buried and by rising again on the third day. And today, if you'd like to invite him to forgive you of your sins and to be your savior, I would encourage you right where you are just to simply say, Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and I'm asking you to forgive me of my sins and to be my savior. And he will do it. If you've made that decision today, please let us know. Please reach out to us. We would love the opportunity to help you learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible plan that he has for your life. If you are a part of the Harmony family, you're part of our Harmony online community and our online campus, I want to thank you for joining us as well. And I want to invite you to start regathering with us in person if you would like to do so. But please remember, we're keeping everything online as well, so you're not going to miss out uh, on our Sunday morning experience and the other things that we've been doing through the week. We're going to continue to offer those and to continue to meet a need in your life. And if you would like to help us continue uh, to serve our community and, and literally the world, uh, we would encourage you to hop on over to harmonyofavon.com forward slash give, and you'll be able to help us continue the ministry and to make a difference, not only here locally, but globally as well. Thank you for being a part of Harmony at Home. And I pray uh, for God's greatest blessings in your life. And I hope that you'll continue to stay connected to us throughout the week. You have a great day.